Welcome to the Japan What Podcast, episode 105. It is I, MatthewPMBigelow.com. This is the podcast that features AI trends in Japan, Society 5.0. What's that? Hmm? News analysis, uh, odd items, and more. Go to MatthewPMBigelow.com to get photos, links, notes, and more regarding today's show, as well as how to make a donation. Hmm? And I am having what you are having, Mr. Listener, or is it Ms. Listener? Ah, indeed. indeed. Ah, summer's all about the good times. And they say summer's about over, but I say nay. August is still indeed the, 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 the tail end of the peak of the summer season. In Japan, they try, to, they try to pull a fast one on us every single, every single summer. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and call it a psyop because you go in one day and it's 35 degrees Celsius you go to the convenience store where just the day before, August 17th, they um, have all these summer beer selections. And you're like, wow, it's so summery. It's so beery. I think I might get some. Then the next day, August 18th or whatever, every summer beer is gone. And it's all replaced with autumn beer. It's like the leaves are changing and now it's time to celebrate autumn. And you're like, I haven't even put on a sweatshirt. I've even taken off my shorts this is still peak summer, Japan. What are you doing, Kirin Beer? You're throwing away beer money in the summer? Who are you, Bud Light? Is this trans beer? And then you go into the Uniqlo store and say, I might get a little tank top. It's pretty hot today. I feel like going and spending some money on some summer clothes. And you go and it's like, boom, down jackets and like long sleeve shirts. And like the, 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 it has like fuzz all over the shirts to keep you warm at night. And it's 35 degrees outside. You're like, wait a minute. This makes no sense. Why does Japan do this? I say it's a psyop. I don't know the reason quite yet. But is it because they imagine themselves like saying, it's been so hot for so long we need to um, get people thinking it's going to be cooler and this will have like a mental effect, like a butterfly effect of the mind. And it will make the actual season of autumn come sooner by mass mental projection via advertising, marketing, and the manipulation of consumer patterns and behaviors. Boom, I nailed it. That's what it is. That's what it flipping is. But I still say nay, like a little goat, like a little fish in the water, nay. Uh, so I bought a case of Sapporo Summer Pilsner off of Amazon. It's like 25% off. I got it for some ridiculously cheap price because it's August 19th, you see. It's no longer time for summer beers. It's 35 degrees outside and still summer vacation for everybody. But it's time to start thinking of August, of autumn, I mean, is that the reason why? Is AU autumn, AU August? And it came the other day, and I still have about a month left of summer beers ready to go. And I, it could be summer teas. I know not everybody wants to drink beers. It could be summer popsicles. It could be whatever it is. This is the idea of you have a summer thing, and then the man tries to take it away from you, and you're not ready to let go of that rag doll yet, are you? No, I'm not either. So that's, that's, that's my thing for today. It's still summer in the mind. 
and don't don't fall victim to the psyops of of autumny beers when it's 37 degrees outside. It's 48 degrees outside and it's 97 degrees Celsius right outside the window and they're trying to push autumn beers. Why not just go wrap yourself up in a blanket and jump off a bridge marketing divisions? Hmm, how about that? How about that indeed? Uh, let's get into it. Busy day today. Busy, busy day. A lot of preparation, but we're going to begin with a new product. And thinking about uh, also including services in the new product section for the podcast. Um, uh, because, you know, sometimes I always just focusing on weird Japanese products is always fun. But then I kind of get worried that people will be like, he's just another foreigner talking about weird stuff in Japan. <laughs> Typical. Uh, and I say, yeah, well, I want to avoid it most of the time. I say 2% weird is fine because you walk around Japan for a while. And if you've been here for 10 minutes or 25 years, some of them will always just appear and it'll be kind of weird. And it's not like it's some arts and craft shop on the corner. There's like a, like the PSYOP is behind it. You know, like what I was just talking about. It's from a corporation. They've had meetings. They had product design. They've had teams build it. They have product sourcing. And then they, they run it through lawyers and accountants. And then they figure out a price to sell it at. And then they launch it on the market. And it's like sparkling cold coffee. And we're going to call it espresso soda. And we'll have people dressed up like men in black marketing it on the television. You're like, hmm. Hmm. Mm, that sounds like <laughs> okay. So the new one for today is to celebrate drinking and driving. Um, drinking and driving is a myth. You can drink all you want and drive all you want. No, of course not. Fukuoka Driving School lets participants try drunk driving to expose the dangers. The abunai, the abunai factor will be exposed. Though, by the way, I was accused of racism again by some crazy liberal on Twitter again. It's like. You bring up a person who's in Japan, who's doing something, and who's black, and you don't even know that that person is black. And you're like, well, that person, I hope they don't run into X, Y, or Z. And then these crazy liberals with Ukrainian flags in their bios are like, leaving messages on my website, no one will miss you when you're gone. You're just a mediocre white man in Japan. It's like, well, by the time you're 40, you're in your mid-40s like I am, being mediocre ain't half bad. <laughs> it's not the best thing, but when you're young, it's like, wow, that person can play Chopin on the piano. They're amazing. But by the time you're 45 years old, you're like, pretty much everyone I know is mediocre at best. And the few extraordinary people I've met often haven't really amounted to much either. So it's like, ooh, wow, you became a lawyer. <laughs> oh, wow, you, you mortgage, you mortgage, you do mortgage brokering. It's like, Good money, good for you, but it's not exactly exceptional human behavior, right? By the time you're 45, you're like, most people are pretty damn average. So anyways, I get tired of people like you You use a katakana accent, even though everybody in Japan almost, except for the 3% of the population who speaks English fluently. Hey, what is that though? That's how most people talk in Japan. That's how they were trained to talk. That's how they went through their whole education, six years, uh, and they talk like that. And then it's like you bring up something and then it's just like these crazy weirdo liberals are like, you are a racist. You're like, what are you talking about? I'm not even thinking about race and you always make it about race. So one thing I don't get from, the, I used to get that from the right, right wingers. I don't get that anymore so much, but I'm not a right winger. I don't, I'm not interested in being a, 
a political uh, cider. You know, I'm, uh, I'm, ad- I'm ad- adamantly um, a uh, what is it? Apolitical? No, no, no. Like polit- politics is not my religion. Uh, I'm uh, what's that? Atheist. I'm a political atheist. I view every politician as suspect, and I view every politician wanting the job the way I would view uh, hiring a manager to take care of a shop. I wouldn't care what type of background they have. I would just say, can you just manage the shop as best as you can? And that's the person I would vote for. I wouldn't care if they were conservative, liberal, Satanist, whatever. They're like, yeah, I'm a Satanist, but I really believe in managing convenience stores. I'd be like, you're the guy for the job. Just keep your Satanism in the back. Don't show it to people out in the front. We'll be okay. Uh, Anyways, Fukuoka Driving School, its participants tried drunk driving to expose dangers. Chikushino, Fukuoka. Hmm. About 80% of people arrested on suspicion of uh, or otherwise accused of drunken driving showed notably high concentrations of alcohol and breathalyzer tests, Fukuoka Prefectural Police have found. If you've never been to Fukuoka, it's its own vibe. It's pretty cool. It's pretty relaxed. But they do have a, a pretty hardcore drinking culture down there. Uh, a lot of shochu, which is crazy juice. And they drink it by the gallon almost every day. Everybody there, men and women combined. While most of these drivers must have been aware of their state of intoxication, why did they dare get behind the wheel? At Chikushino Driving School in the city of Chikushino, Fukuoka Prefecture, an experience-based lecture was held on August 21st to allow local residents to try drunken driving to find out for themselves. uh, Quote, We'll let you experience how much your driving changes before and after drinking, end quote, a school official told the participants. I like saying pants, participants. It's like, hey, you got your pants on? (laughs) Take part with your pants on. During the session, uh, Hielim Ha, 26, a Mainichi Shimbun reporter, drank and drove on a trial basis while colleague Urokuhei Zato, 29, years old, traveled in the same vehicle to report on the boozed driving, an experience exposing the danger of overconfidence. Overconfidence. In August 2006, three young siblings died after a car driven by a drunken Fukuoka municipal government employee plowed into their vehicle from behind. At the trial event where... I was skipping the rest. That's kind of depressing. Uh, There were three challenges awaiting drivers along the course. A A slalom. I was going to say shalom, like was Jewish now? A slalom for swerving while avoiding obstacles, an S-curve, and a narrow crank course with tight turns. Reporter Ha managed to clear all of these without a hitch, while Sober and Shojiro Kubota, vice head of the driving school, raised no issues from the passenger seat. He then had a 350-milliliter can of beer, a cup each of Umeshu plum liqueur and shochu boom nailed it distilled spirit both diluted with water over the course of roughly an hour a breathalyzer test detected 0.30 milligrams of alcohol per liter of breath twice the DUI threshold of 0.15 a red-faced ha said quote my hands are cold and my heart's beating fast yet added i'm conscious and i feel like i can drive soon after ha started the car however fellow reporter sato noticed Anomalies. The now drunken driver repeatedly accelerated and slowed down along straight lines and curves in the early section of the course when there was no need to do so, resulting in Sato lurching back and forth every time. While Ha cleared the slalom without hitting any obstacles or juice, vice school head Kubota stopped the driver when she was about to enter the S-curve. 
Kubota told her, quote, you were entering the curve at a faster speed than before drinking. You also turned too widely, and the vehicle strayed into the opposite lane, end quote. Ha appeared surprised as she had apparently expected her driving to be perceived like that, as she had not expected her perceiving. Um, it goes on and on and on. So this is, of course, the new... The new, uh, the new product, it's a service that allows you to drink and drive. Uh, what do you think about this idea? Would you like to go to a driving test and do one round and then your driver test person, the driver tester is like, hey, let's go get some beers and we'll come back and try this again. Do you think this is a good idea or do you think this is a high or not high? High or not high. I bet you they get three times the amount of people coming to their driving school as opposed to any other driving school in the vicinity. They might even have people coming out of prefecture to come to their driving school just to experience getting wasted behind the wheel and getting tested while going around driving drunk. I think everybody wants to do drinking and driving at least once in their life. Why not do it under the supervision of a tester at a course? You're paying for it. Why not get fucking wasted? Hmm? All right. Sorry to swear. Why not get fudging wasted? The big story for today is Fukushima. Um, is it dangerous or is it not dangerous? Is it? Oh, is it? Now, in the 2011... Um, Fukushima nuclear accident happened after the earthquake and tsunami. I was in Tokyo, and I didn't go back to Canada, even though I had a lot of people telling me I should. Uh, after a few days, I did get out of Tokyo because I was scared that the power after the power plant blew up, that um, if more explosions happened and it was caught by rain clouds and the rain clouds came down to Tokyo and doused Tokyo in like a nuclear rainstorm, that wouldn't be the smartest idea. So I got out for a couple of weeks. I traveled around on the local trains, and then I came back to Japan, Japan, to Tokyo. But during that time, the amount of trust that people had in the government, which had been newly formed, um, one of the few times that the LDP had lost an election in the past 50 or 60 years, the government was very inexperienced, very idealistic, and they handled the situation very poorly, especially the dissemination of information. I remember getting reports sent to me, the power will be cut off, then it wasn't cut off, and then uh, nothing was clear, and then uh, they were trying to keep the power plant alive, and then somebody flooded it with salt water, thereby basically just destroying it. There was this whole hidden interest of the elites with their um, corrupt power ambitions, uh, taking precedence over the safety of the people of the country. And then there was all these um, spending catastrophes that happened in the wake of all that. So the idea that um, we can just go ahead and trust these people is very not the case, in my opinion. Um, but at the same time, have they been learning from their mistakes? Is Japan a country that learns from its mistakes when it, the mistakes are at such horrible levels? Maybe they are. Maybe they aren't. But um, basically, the Fukushima power plant, the Fukushima Daiichi, um, the Genpatsu there, they're releasing the treated water that's been stored up there for the past dozen years or so, and they're releasing it into the ocean. 
and it's causing quite the kerfuffle, as you might imagine. But does it need to be a kerfuffle? Nuclear explosions have happened twice in Japan previously to that, in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. They're both fine cities to go to. In fact, the G7 recently had a major meeting in Hiroshima. And you go there and it's fine. And um, so are our fears of nuclear explosions in the long term overblown? Or is it a case of people not understanding the level of fear that they should have for something? and respond a hundred times harder than they should. And it all makes sense to me. But we're going to begin with um, a report from the NHK, which is the government uh, spokeshole. Uh, it's, the, it's, it's the news that repeats what the government wants you to know. And this is um, from their website, released on August 25th, just a few days ago. And this and it, this segment will build up with some other news accordingly, but it's just a backgrounder so that you can hear it from the government source that you may or may not trust. Operator of the crippled Fukushima Daiichi nuclear plant is assuring the public its operation to discharge treated and diluted water into the ocean is being conducted as planned. Tokyo Electric Power Company says Shocker. the concentration of radioactive tritium in seawater did not change significantly after the discharge started on Thursday. We can confirm that radioactivity levels are low and no abnormal reading was detected due to... This is a TEPCO spokesperson. TEPCO is the Tokyo Electric Power Company, and they were in charge of handling the Fukushima power plant up there. To the release... TEPCO plans to take seawater samples at 10 points within three kilometers of the plant every day. It released the monitoring data taken a few hours after the discharge began. It says the tritium concentration was less than 10 becquerels per liter. That's far below Japan's environmental release standards of 60,000 becquerels per liter. TEPCO also released video, which was shot when the operation started. Workers activated a pump to mix treated water with seawater. Ten minutes later, the water started flowing into a vertical shaft, which is connected to a discharge tunnel. Fukushima Daiichi suffered a triple meltdown in the 2011 earthquake and tsunami. Since then... All right, we'll stop it there. That's all we need from them. So... Everything's hunky-dory, isn't it? Um, this is the place where we have lots of radiation, radioactivity, but I don't... Are, are cancers shooting through the roof there? Have you heard or seen any horror stories? I mean, so my whole thing is, it's like, well, should we trust these people? No. But should we just react in fear as well? And the answer is no. Um, I wonder how much of a difference this is going to make. I'm, I'm thinking maybe not much. I'm thinking maybe not much. I, like my, of course, if somebody says, here's a glass of water that was taken from the discharged nuclear facility and also a glass of glyphosate, both are safe to drink. Would you like to try them? How about we pour them all over your baby daughter's face? I think, like, well, maybe not. See you later. Um, but once it dilutes throughout the entire ocean, I mean, maybe it's okay. Um, but, of course, we have the reaction to all this, and Ch China bans all seafood. 
from importing. This comes to us from Japan today uh, from Thomson Reuters. Take of that what you will. China on Thursday announced immediate blanket ban on all seafood imports. China is highly concerned about the risk of radioactive contamination brought by Japan's food and agricultural products exported to China. Um, and of course, China has... Uh, oh, there's um, propaganda pictures that have like Godzilla with a nuclear... A uh, symbol on it, p- pissing into the Atlantic, into the Pacific Ocean. Pretty amazing stuff. The Chinese propaganda really has gotten super good. I've also seen another one where it's a giant, like, sea monster, not a Godzilla type, but like a, a, a Chinese-derived type with nuclear weapons sticking out of it and, like, it's barfing all this stuff into the ocean it was very sophisticated propaganda but the, the Chinese have been able to go to. Oh, yeah, this will be posted at MatthewPMBigelow.com. They also have, like, uh, just fish, and then the, the activists put nuclear symbols all over the fish. And they're like, stop it. You know, this is from Korea. Um, the But, you know, China has a horrible record for everything concerning the environment. I've seen maps of of their nuclear power plants that just dump way higher amounts of radioactive material into the of tritium into the ocean than what the treated water in Fukushima is like. So, what would you trust? Would you trust the Japanese treating water with their nuclear scientists and releasing it into the ocean, or would you trust? the Chinese regulatory authorities with their regular nuclear power plants discharging whatever they're discharging into the ocean. Just what would you do if you had to pick one or the other right now and there's no time for finger wagging and say, well, well, I would need to talk to the scientists. Like, no, two doors, you choose now. No, no, choose the Japanese door, choose the Chinese door because we got to go, got to go now. What would you choose? Probably the Japanese one, right? Probably the Japanese one. That's the one I would choose. Don't really want to choose China too much these days. Next, with this news, South Korean police arrest 14 Fukushima protesters seeking to enter Japanese embassy, right? So they're freaking out about it. But the South Koreans always freak out about uh, Japanese policies. There's a real, like, uh, activist culture in Korea. It's them, they, they managed to import that a lot from America, whereas Japanese have not. Um, and stones eggs thrown at Japanese schools in China as well. So we're seeing like this um, hardcore reaction to Japan releasing this stuff, but are they even looking in their own backyards as to what they're doing to the environment in their zones? And I'm not saying one side is better than the other, but this, uh, what I'm trying to say is I think activism has become just dumb. It's just become like a reactionary movement. It doesn't matter what it is. Something happens and you just write on a piece of paper, no, and you go to like the place where it's happening and you hold it up and like, I think it's no, I think it's no. I'm an activist and I think it's no. I don't have any training in any science. And even though I have no training in any science, I haven't read any papers. I just see this thing and I react and I say, no, I say, no, I say, no. Or for the Chinese case, it's like, um, Hey, we have a really bad economic situation for the youth unemployment right now. Why not get them to get riled up about Japan again? I mean, it's worked in the past. Why not do it again? Um, So there's that. And then finally, there is a shop in Japan 
where they posted, I'll be posting this onto Matthew, pmbigelow.com. It's a, like an izakaya pub-style restaurant. And they say, hey, Chinese, it's written in, in Japanese, hey, uh, Chinese people, this restaurant, um, all of the ingredients used in the food here come from Fukushima Prefecture. And it's all 350 yen each. So <laughs> it's kind of a passive-aggressive Hey, if you want to come in here, that's fine. But if you're banning it, if you're protesting against it, maybe you should know before coming in here. So the uh, the passive-aggressive nature of the Japanese may have just won. That one was from sharenewsjapan.com. I'm not going to go too much more into this. It's just the, the big news of the week. And that is, um, is it or is it? I mean, for me, the... Uh, the amount of exports going into China, which makes some Japanese people richer, good for them, uh, also means there's a lot less fish available domestically inside of Japan. And um, Taiwan is catching a lot of fish these days too. Uh, so I'm hoping that those fishing fleets back off and it allows Japanese fishers to provide more fish to within Japan. Now, will my wife who's just had a baby and is worried about, you know, nutrition and all that, will she be buying a whole bunch of fish from Japan to feed to the kids? I don't know. But um, it's one of those things. Is it or is it? Is it or is it? Hey, we have more fish because the Chinese stopped buying it. Why did they stop buying it? Because Fukushima started releasing its water, its tritium water into the ocean again. Well, the fish are cheaper now. Well, are they fish? Are the fish cheaper because they're dangerous or are they cheaper because there's just more fish available now now that there's fewer buyers buying the fish? Product, demand, supply, all of that. Don't know. Is it or is it? Is it? Oh, is it? Oh, I think it's is it. <laughs> Let's take a look at Society 5.0. The fourth industrial revolution will enable us to create a new society. Artificial intelligence will transform the big data collected through the Internet of Things into new wisdom. Society 5.0, a technology-based, human-centered society. industrial revolution will raise our standard of living and solve various challenges we face. It will, for example, free us from the stress of driving, allowing us to safely visit anyone, anytime. We will have access to the latest medical advancements at a low cost, no matter where we are. AI and robots will enhance human ability and expand our infinite possibilities, helping us enjoy more fulfilling lives. Society 5.0, for the betterment of human lives. All right, and of course, that is from the Japanese government. I mention this every time just because new people are listening every time from various places within Japan around the world. And um, for this part, I, I worked in a telecommunications company for five years um, as a teacher, teaching English for AI trends, IoT trends, blockchain trends um, to people working in the industry 
And some of the people I was teaching were also involved in the Society 5.0 project with the government and stuff like that. So I view this as actually, in a way, like so many writers in Japan are like, hey, we got to talk about climate change in Japan. And I'm like, come on, this is actually way more important. These are people like making concrete future plans for you and me and they wrap it up in a climate change threat. But they introduced all the solutions with um, next generation technology and all of that. And it doesn't always want to benefit humans. You know, it, it can. And so these people will just walk around and be like, look, it's hot. Climate change. Look at that air conditioner. It's going to leak. It's climate change. And they just get published and published and published and published. And then the whole discourse is... Do air conditioners cause climate change or do they not cause climate change? But everybody's still thinking climate change, climate change, climate change. You know, I don't think air conditioners cause climate change, but I think cars certainly do. Anyway, so it just keeps, instead of focusing on the underlying currents and the, the machinations that are going to build up what we're going to be living with in the next hundred years, we just kind of tripe. We, we fight over tripe. We, we fight over chew toys and it doesn't really do much. So I, I actually think... These trends for humanity right now is like the number one important thing, uh, even more so than the Fukushima stuff. And the hope, the the idea is that I'm not going to be a Luddite and, and try to discount this technology from existing. That would be silly, right? So many people just be like, well, why not just not use it? Hmm? What if everybody went to a war, but only one side showed up? <laughs> one of those things. Uh, it's going to happen. It's going to exist. And my whole thing to push is... When we use the technology like uh, computer vision and AI and blockchain on things, it can make human lives more efficient. When it's used by institutions on us people, it makes, it turns, it's dehumanizing and it doesn't work very well um, because we're too unpredictable and weird people in the government would be like, well, if we know that this person likes to walk here every day, maybe we can make them do this every day too. But it just, it, it it's way too complex to put that into a computer and make it work. But for things like rice that grow, uh, AI can actually be pretty useful for that because it's seasonal, it repeats, it doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't have opinions and all these other things. It's not as, it's, we're not trying to get into the minds of the rice. We're just trying to analyze what the rice does when it's growing. And that's what this news article is about. So for today, we're going to focus, like I like to focus on the good and the bad. This technology is going to be around. If we point it at the things around us, it can make our lives better. But when the institutions pack all of their oppression technology into a QR code and make us print it out at a convenience store and then scan it with our phones at home. It basically limits our technological outreach to a QR code on a piece of paper and it gives the oppressive intentions of a government all of the technology to come into your house or wherever that QR code is that you just printed out or have to use somewhere right in front of your phone, which is right in front of you. So it basically creates a nexus point for all of the bureaucracy of wherever you are to come into your house and it's hidden behind the QR code, which is printed on a piece of paper or scanned, and then it's accessed through your phone. So they essentially hijack your technology and they don't provide their technology to you. Seriously, big problems. But with rice, it's okay. 
AI app, this comes to us from the Mainichi, Japan's national daily since 1922. AI-based app created by Japan researchers can predict rice harvest with single photo. Um, and I'll be taking a picture of this, and you can find the pictures, of course, at MatthewPMBigelow.com. Show notes, links, and more, as well as some donation ideas. Osaka. A team of researchers in Japan are hoping their new AI-based app that can estimate the eventual yield from just photographs of rice plants will lead to more efficient cultivation. Could have written it better. Um, the, the team from institutions including Western Japan's Okayama University fed over 20,000 photos of rice plants to their related yields to a deep learning AI system. Okay, I have to dis... Like, okay, the, the, news, the news is getting better at AI, but it's always been terrible because they always have to make jokes. They always have to make jokes. They always have to make freaking jokes. Um, so they fed 20,000 photos of rice plants. Uh, fed means, you know, provided or inputted would be better. I don't see why we have to use, like, it's about rice and it's about computer data processing. Let's use the word fed. Uh, it just It's distracting. I don't like it. And it's, like, unserious is the way I see it. Hey, it's just a joke. We're making jokes. What are you, a flipping podcast? A team of researchers in Japan are hoping their new AI-based app that can estimate the eventual yield only from photographs of rice plants um, will lead to more efficient cultivation would be a way to fix that lead. The team of institutions, including Western Japan's Okayama University, inputted or input, whatever you want to use the past tense for in that case, over 20,000 photos of rice plants and the related yields to a deep learning AI system. Rice plants come in different varieties, including the short and round grain japonica and the long grain indica. Sounds like weed. Japonica rice can further be further divided into cultivars such as koshikari and hitomibore, which offer which differ in the shape of their ears and leaves. Through cooperation with universities across and beyond Japan, the team used data on about 400 varieties from seven countries and 20 regions to train the AI, resulting in a system able to handle photos of a wide range of rice plants. The team says the system can make highly precise estimates using a single photograph of one square meter of land taken directly above the rice plants. Through AI-based image analysis, the app that they developed allows anyone to easily predict yields using only a smartphone. The rigorous harvest survey requires significant costs and labor. For that reason, even if the overall trend in a broad growing area was understood, output could not be predicted on a detailed place-by-place basis. What kinds of merits are there in having a detailed map of predicted yields? As an example, suppose 10 metric tons of rice was harvested from one plot of land. The rice seemed to have been growing evenly throughout the entire plot, but dividing the land into four sections, A, B, C, and D, each yielded three tons, while just one ton was harvested in section D. By comparing the amount of water, fertilizer, and sunlight at each spot and identifying what could be worked on, Section D can also be improved to yield 3 tons, bringing the plot's total output up to 12 tons. I think that makes sense. China has been doing this for about 10 years now, by the way, uh, using uh, Ant, which is Alibaba. Um, uh, I'm not sure if it's Ant, I'm sorry, but using Alibaba technology, I've seen them talk at presentations and stuff like that, and they're video recordings and um yeah it's 
the reason why you take the photo from the top is so that you can see the amount of shadows and maybe the time of day, maybe some metadata in the photo as well. And you just do some prediction, right? It could be also good for future, uh, like, I mean, not the future, but futures as in um, stock and indexes and things like that um, to get a better accurate future prediction of what the situation is going to be like for international markets. According to the Agricultural Ministry, the Arabel of... I'm going to... I'm going to... Anyways, the app name is Hojo. It's available now. And so the thing is, is that this good technology for AI is often really technical and not that interesting, and it doesn't affect people in like some nightmarish way. It's not like um, you can't really put one of those photos of um, a robot that looks like a human and it's smiling and it's holding like a gun knife and it's about to kill a baby. And then the headline is like, will chat GPT train your kids to kill each other in the future? Question mark. <laughs> Which is very, uh, that just is like, well, we can talk about that for hours, <laughs> you know, but when it comes to like, oh no, we just collected all these photos of rice from the before and after situation and we put that into an AI machine, which uses predictive programming, some neural networks, and uh, analyzes the differences between photos on the day and the and the eventual result. And it can 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 give you an accurate portrayal, maybe an increase by twenty five to fifty percent of what you thought would be the eventual situation. And it helps farmers make better estimates of how much rice they're going to grow. And it helps farmers allocate. Uh, their resources to other parts of their rice fields to make more rice for them. That's it. Like, that's the technology. That's it. It's not so insane. But everybody, almost everywhere, has this idea where you, like, say AI, and they're like, oh, my God, chat GPT is going to crawl out of my asshole. And you're like, what? What are you talking about? No, it's not. No, it's not. We're fine. We're fine. But the thing is, is that with Society 5.0, they talk about the fourth industrial revolution and the people at the top in Japan, Kishida, the prime minister, meets with Klaus Schwab, the founder of the World Economic Forum and the writer of the book, COVID-19, The Great Reset. And the digital minister of Japan, Mr. Taro Kono, also pretty connected to the World Economic Forum. And in that song... Japan Society 5.0. The Fourth Industrial Revolution will. The Fourth Industrial Revolution is a book written by Klaus Schwab. And people go, now you're just a racist conspiracy theorist. But I'm like, no, 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 this is the, these are the things that are important. I mean, these are the, these, we need to, we don't need to react to their subordinates releasing climate change fear porn into the media for us to go, well, there is climate change, so we need the fourth industrial revolution, but maybe it's not as much as they want us to have it. You know, we by by looking at it the way that they're talking about it at their level, it gives people the better ability to debate the actual topics at hand instead of reacting to it from the headline in a news or from just sort of disseminated information into the greater public. What's next for the energy transition in Japan? I got this from the World Economic Forum website released on August 25th, 2023. And I copied and pasted the most relevant parts, and this is from, we're recording this on August 29th. The World Economic Forum's Japan Energy Transition Initiative, 
in collaboration with Accenture, an Irish-based company, has evaluated uh, Japan's decarbonization measures based on the system value framework, capitalized system value, which evaluates holistically economic, environmental, social, and technical outcomes of potential energy solutions across markets. The framework aims to shift political and commercial focus beyond cost to include societal value. Or just beyond cost. This is the way the World Economic Forum frames everything, by the way. What are you talking about? You need shoes at a reasonable price. We need to think beyond shoes at a reasonable price. (laughs) Okay, you have an idea about this, I see, and you're about to foist it upon me. Um, Given the structure of Japan's energy system, the role of heavy industries in manufacturing in its economy and a strong expertise in engineering, low emission nitrogen and ammonia can be critical enablers of an accelerated transition. Low emission hydrogen and ammonia are also attracting attention for decarbonizing energy sources by substituting fuel for existing thermal power plants. The Japanese government is leading deliberations involving interested parties. The basic policy for the realization of GX, Green Transformation, approved by the cabinet in February 2023, outlines specific policies for constructing hydrogen and ammonia supply chains and investing in infrastructure to establish hydrogen and ammonia hubs. Almost nobody knows this, that we have the basic policy for the realization of green transformation and that um, uh, decarbonization measures based on the system value framework. (coughs) Nobody knows this because everybody is caught in the whirlpool of news about climate change. And so while everybody's caught in the whirlpool of news of climate change, Super elites are making decisions for all those people swimming in the whirlpools of climate change. This next one, which connects directly, that, that, what I just read to you was um, an edited version. I just deleted the paragraphs that I didn't need to read from the World Economic Forum's website. Links at MatthewPMBigelow.com. The next one comes to us from PinsentMasons.com. What's that? I don't know, but I put in some key vocabulary from the previous report from the World Economic Forum, and it came up with Japan and Middle East sign hydrogen cooperation agreements. Now, Japan Society 5.0 is not only about drones that deliver Amazon goods to our doorstep, and it's not just getting in a self-driving car and getting wasted inside of it. They want to decarbonize. Who do they want to decarbonize? They want to decarbonize everyone and everything. I don't know why. I suspect they're a death cult. I'm against a lot of these moves. And I'm not even sure what a secure supply chain of ammonia even looks like. I'm not convinced. Like I said, even if they make ammonia hubs, do I just take my my bag to the ammonia hub and get a bag of ammonia and bring it back and dump it into my dishwasher and hit the start button? I mean, what do they make electricity from it? And so we turn off the coal power plants and now we turn on the ammonia hub and that provides the same power supply through the grid. 
to what we need to do. But again, nobody really knows. But from PinsentMasons.com, and I kind of like finding the newer sources from these other places because nobody in Japan even knows what I'm about to read right now. Japan and Saudi Arabia have signed a clean energy cooperation agreement known as the Lighthouse Initiative. There's a two-page, 78-kilobyte PDF document associated with it. It's not really worth reading, but you can if you want. The initiative aims to develop clean energy products, projects in areas such as hydrogen and ammonia, hmm, where did we hear that before? E-fuels, carbon recycling, direct air capture, critical minerals required for the energy sector, and supply chain resilience, sustainable advanced materials, and research and knowledge exchange. The two countries intend to work together on mineral resources supply chains and attracting more participants, participants on the plan. An economic delegation including around 30 Japanese company executives joined Kishida's visit. Some Japanese companies represented in the delegation also signed agreements which focus on hydrogen cooperation with Middle Eastern companies. Sumitomo Cooperation, major, and Sharjah National Oil Cooperation of the UAE signed an initial agreement on a UAE carbon capture project. The companies will conduct a joint feasibility study for the carbon capture and storage project, including a techno-economic analysis into adaptability of Japanese technologies relevant to carbon capture, transport and storage, identification of business models, and assessment of regulatory frameworks. Separately, Japan's JERA and ADNOC of Abu Dhabi signed a strategic collaboration agreement to work together in clean hydrogen and ammonia. Altogether, Japanese and Middle Eastern companies signed at least seven agreements during the trip, according to local news reports. So, as these major plans, which start off with one idea and then develop into other ideas, evolve, we can see that the... Um, messaging from the World Economic Forum matches directly with what the Japanese government and all of its major companies are looking at doing, uh, which is, for some reason, ammonia <laughs> and hydrogen, and clean hydrogen and ammonia. It's such pie-in-the-sky thinking, isn't it? And I don't even know, like, okay, so if we get more energy, we get more energy. I'm actually open to that. But do they want to be like, hey, here's your hydrogen. Now we're just going to turn everything else off. I don't know what these people are up to, but it's super dodgy. We'll see how it goes. But for the time being, that's just like when you compare the, uh, the first idea of AI-based app created by researchers can predict rice harvest from a single photo, seems like it might have some like prudent applications for people just doing their thing. But then what, what's with these green transformation it's all it's all it's all capitalized and it's 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 all murky and weird and uh, like but they know better but do they and then are they just looking at it because they want money and they think it's there somehow i i I doubt it i doubt it um a few other things uh headlines from japan society 5.0 
Prosecutors question lawmaker over wind farm bribery case, which goes into the things that we were just talking about. Japan blockchain startup seeks to build Asian digital payment network. And that's absolutely um, crucial to know about. Former Sony executives laying down data security gambit to tech giants. Now, data security is going to be one of the major things as things become more and more decentralized and we step out of the offices with our very important information. Retailers in Japan coordinate response as self-checkout shoplifting surges. Yeah, they got rid of all of the people, and now, you know, without the leering gaze of some old lady who's going to check out your stuff, maybe that same old lady is going to start stealing everything because <laughs> of inflation and all these crazy ammonia dreams, ammonia pipe dreams. That should be the title of the show, Ammonia Pipe Dreams. There we go. Uh, like a teacher there, 24-7, last one, Chat GPT tool supports English education at Japan University. And I have a lot of that stuff too. So that's going to be Japan Society 5.0 for today. Again, these are the things that I view as some of the most important aspects of humanity facing us today is how the regular person can use the technology, such as taking a picture of your rice and putting it into a data mine uh, where it shows you the likelihood of what your rice could or could not do. And maybe, I don't know, if you're good enough, you, you understand what to do from there. If you're a professional, go for it. The information is there. It's like a visual search engine on your rice field versus the craziness all from the top. And it's like, these are people that should be saying the moon is made of cheese, but they're not. These are the people that we're, everyone around the world is electing into positions of power who then meet positions of power who aren't elected. And then those positions of power people who weren't elected transfer all of their, idea, all of their ideas into the people that were elected. And then the people that were elected come back to the people who elected them and said, we're going to do all these things that you didn't elect us to do. And that's, that's the business model right now. Society 5.0. The fourth industrial revolution will enable us to create a new society. Artificial intelligence will transform the big data collected through the Internet of Things into new wisdom. Society 5.0, a technology-based, human-centered society. industrial revolution will raise our standard of living and solve various challenges we face. It will, for example, free us from the stress of driving, allowing us to safely visit anyone, anytime. Have you been to MatthewPMBigelow.com? Why not go to MatthewPMBigelow.com right now, where you can easily Find a donation in your pocket for me. You can donate via PayPal at paypal.me forward slash Japan WUD. Or you can also use one of the podcasting 2.0 compliant apps like Podverse, CurioCaster, Podfans and more. It's the next wave of the podcasting infrastructure. What are you doing with your legacy podcasting app anyways? Get the new ones. I recommend Podverse. Go to Podverse, connect your GetAlby wallet, and start making donations via Boostergrams to all your favorite podcasters like me. I think it's a fantastic new technology that uses advanced technology to circumvent 
the big tech overlords who just hire a bunch of mid-level managers to make our lives worse as we're trying to engage their content. So do that. We all hate them. It's time to fight back. Podcasting 2.0. Matthew, pmbigelow.com. Japan, what podcast? PayPal.me forward slash Japan, W-U-T. All right. Enough of that. Next, we're going to take a look at Eat the Bugs. What? Yes. I'm going to eat all the bugs. Okay, you're just going to eat them one at a time, though, okay? Okay. I've got one. I've got one. I'm going to go catch that one. No, finish the one that you have in your mouth first. Kabutomushi. Solves the issues of food, bamboo forests, and depopulation in one fell swoop. And their pupa faintly emits the scent of a shrimp. This comes to us from the Yomiri. And um, every, every, ta- every week I look for edible bug news, and it's there. And it's weird research groups who try to be like, hey, if we just stop eating chicken and eat crickets, we'll be fine. But then a Japanese politician who's against the idea, the idea said, well, if you want to eat 65 grams of protein a day, you're going to have to eat like 500 crickets every day. Could you imagine coming home and like one table is like, we're the cricket table. Here's 500 crickets. Then the other table is like, we're the steak table. Here's five bites of steak. Which table would you join? Um... A group from Kyushu University is working on research to utilize the Japanese rhinoceros beetle, often called the king of insects, as insect food. The research is being conducted by a group led by Associate Professor Satoshi Kamitani from the Faculty of Agriculture at Kyushu University. In an effort to address the issue of neglected bamboo forests, while collaborating with Kama City, they discovered that Fermented bamboo chips could serve as food for the Japanese rhinoceros beetle. This discovery prompted the exploration of edible applications for the beetles. Okay. None of this makes any sense, right? The pupa, or the pupae, the pupa in particular, have a mild shrimp-like aroma and are easy to eat due to their lack of earthy odors and impurities. When dried and ground into powder, they also are suitable for processed food products. They chose the former Chishu Elementary School building in Kama City, which had closed in 2014 as the experimental site. The bamboo chips used were harvested from neglected bamboo forests by the city and provided at no cost. Starting with 500 beetles in the current fiscal year, they aim to increase the number to 5,000 in the following year and 50,000 two years from now. Local residents take on the role of caretakers for the beetles with the intention of generating employment opportunities in the depopulated region. According to research by Japan Productive Center, the public business of food is marketed to 10 to 7 billion in 2019 to 1 billion in 2025. Now, of course, nobody wants to eat beetles. Oh, I have, I'll be posting pictures of this, of course. Of course, to Matthew People, MatthewPMBigClo.com. And they have, the, they have like the, the, these giant beetle pupa on a plate. And I'm like, why don't you eat it? It looks so gross. Shrimp look good, but they're the same thing apparently? I don't think so. There's like a billion years of evolution between them, right? It's the same thing. Yeah, okay. Why don't you just put a snake in your snatch? It's like a cock. 
Um, that came out of nowhere. The whole point of this is that as we look at depopulation, um, people think it's just, well, all right, there's just fewer people around and that's a lot better. But what if instead of having people raising bugs in an abandoned school, people were raising kids in, in, a, in a school? What if instead of, of creating employment opportunities by finding ways to, to ground giant beetles into powders and put them into food products for the local residents, what if instead people had more kids and put the kids into the school and then try to make healthy food locally for the kids. So there's this idea that, oh, we're just going to have fewer people and that's just going to be the same as it is now. It's just going to get better with fewer people. Mm, no. As we can see, the dystopian ideologies are replacing what used to be considered just to be normal, like schools with kids in them. No, we don't have as many kids. We have a little depopulation if, if that's what people want, if they're just not going to have kids. I'm not advocating going out and shooting people in the head like the Khmer Rouge to take care of some sort of threat that they perceive. Uh, I don't, I, I'm not sure what I think of overpopulation. Are we overpopulated? Maybe some areas, maybe not other areas. It's all about infrastructure at this point. But the infrastructure in Japan is there. And instead of having kids being raised in that infrastructure in a school, we now have weird scientists from the university coming in and trying to make bugs like pupa. And it's like skinless bugs and put them on a plate and feed them neglected bamboo forests and then sell them where and how and why. Uh, what if instead of that, there was just families with kids there? So this idea, that's all, that's why I brought it up right now is the eat the bugs is okay. Less people just doesn't mean less people. The infrastructure is there. And as the human populace crumbles away and frays from these edges of society, it's going to be replaced with something else. And in this today's case, that something else is crazy scientists harvesting beetles, for some sort of production for the food of the future. And it, I don't, eh, I don't think it's that great of an idea. Uh, wouldn't it be better just to have kids there and families? I don't know. Yes, the idea is yes. The idea is yes. Have kids, have families, invest in the future with your own genetic line instead of extinguishing it at some sort of wick and then replacing it with bug theory nutrition? No, thank you. I'm gonna eat all the bugs. Okay, you're just gonna eat them one at a time, though, okay? Okay. I got one. I got one. I'm gonna go catch that one. No, finish the one that you have in your mouth first. Die for the war. Everybody moves. Die for the good. For the good. Die for the war. Die for the war. As the war machines, the machinations continue, they've been quiet for the past few weeks, to be honest. <clears throat> but today we have Japan moles easing restrictions on lethal weapon exports. Talking about this 30 years ago would be like, you got to go. <laughs> but now it's like, okay, why not? 
And that's why, you know, like a lot of, a lot of people over here in Japan, they're like, well, pff, we would never do that. And then five years later, they're like, we're doing it. And everyone's like, yeah, <laughs> that happens over and over again. Halloween was that case. And when I came here in 2006, Halloween didn't exist. And people were like, what? Halloween? <laughs> no way. Ten years later, everyone's like, woo, Halloween. Tokyo, the Japanese government told ruling parties, you hear that? That lethal weapons could be exported for specific non-combat purposes, party members said, as working group discussions resumed Wednesday on relaxing the nation's strict defense equipment transfer rules. Under Japan's, quote, three principles, end quote, covering defense equipment and technology transfers, the government has allowed the export of lethal weapons only to countries that are jointly developing or producing defense equipment. The export of non-lethal equipment, meanwhile, has been permitted uh, to nations collaborating with Tokyo on security and for use in five non-combat domains, rescue, transportation, vigilance, surveillance, and minesweeping. This perspective, however, was expanded on Wednesday when the government clarified that lethal weaponry can be exported as long as the purpose falls within the five non-combat areas. The working group discussions on easing the defense equipment transfer principles have been taking place since April, with Japan seeking to bolster its domestic defense industry and better respond to the severe security environment while also hoping to expand support for countries under military invasion such as Ukraine. Oh, we got the Ukraine situation drying up financially. We need Japan to provide its weapons to Ukraine, sucking it into the greater American co-prosperity. No, what is it? The, the, it used to be the, the Japanese, the Asian co-prosperity, the greater East Asian co-prosperity sphere or something like that. Now it would be the, the greater American... Uh, suck your money and throw your products into the trenches of war sphere. I think that's what it should be. Uh, Got to get away from these psychos. So that's the war. So the idea of Japan backing off on its ideas of exporting products for war is going the opposite direction. More and more people within the administrations want it to happen more and more. And so they will continue pushing the export of their weaponry. Die for the war, everybody moves. Die for the good, for the good. Die for the war, die for the war. <clears throat> we'll cover some de-dollarization next week, I think. Um, although I'll just cover some headlines right now. De-dollarization irreversible, Putin tells BRICS. BRICS welcomes new members in push to reshuffle world order. Moscow demands bigger discounts from foreign companies exiting Russia. Yeah, we don't need to do that. I covered a lot of COVID news last week, and just from China this week, I saw another one that says, nearly 2 million excess deaths followed China's sudden end of COVID curbs study. So we have, wherever you look, Massive amounts of COVID deaths, not COVID deaths, excess deaths. And if you bring up the idea that all of those things happen after, not before, before the vaccine, deaths were going down, even from COVID, even with COVID in the death numbers. And then after the vaccine, deaths went way, way up, which is just reading the graph. People get angry if you say that. Hey, look, 
deaths went down in 2019. And then they went up in 2020, 2021, even more in 2023. Wow, they're really way up. I think people will go, COVID, or, yeah, they were drinking. But it's like, well, okay, there's that and that. And what else? What else was introduced into the world population at that time by billions and billions of doses? Yeah, well, my dad's had six vaccines and he's fine. Yeah, I know. I know plenty of people who've had six vaccines and they're fine. But what about the numbers? How about that? How about you look at that? Um, I'm glad I didn't get vaccinated, by the way. But if you did, good for you. It's all up to you. The last one for today is going to be um, connected to um, eat, eat the bugs, but this is unmanned stations. As we face depopulation, and again, maybe a little bit's fine, but it doesn't just mean less people. It, it means more people finding ways to use the existing abandoned infrastructure for their own purposes, or it also means a decrease in services for people who need them, but there's not the population to provide them. And that comes to us from Barrier Free Japan. Quote, Barrier Free Japan is a um, website based on a person who's disabled in Japan uh, who is, I guess he's out and about a lot and he he's quite disabled, uses a walking stick and can walk around a lot. And uh, he has observations about barrier-free Japan. Now, I will preface it with this. In the past 10 years, I've seen um, Japanese infrastructure really, really improve, not perfectly improve, but really, really improve barrier-free applications um, and also really, really improve access to elevators, really, really improve access to or providing more uh, washroom facilities for disabled people or for families and all of that, like the universal toilet. I've seen a massive improvement in that. So I will commend Japan for being quite good in such a short period of time for expanding its range of <clears throat> barrier-free access, accessibility. But then I also say there's probably areas that they could still improve. And I'm not really that disabled. I have to wear reading glasses. It's not that much of a disability, but it is a disability where the reading glasses... If I don't have my glasses on, I'm really not in a good position. So I really need my glasses on. If I don't have my glasses on, it's bad. So I understand disability to a point, but I'm not some quadriplegic pushing a wheelchair around with his chin, all right? Amid a declining population, an increasing number of stations on Japan's local train lines are switching to unmanned operations as railway companies target the bottom line amid decreasing passenger numbers. This comes to us from it's a, com a combination of by Barrier Free Japan and Kyoto News from August 25th. The trend is evident even among the nation's bigger op biggest operators, with nearly 60% of the 4,368 stations operated by the six Japan Railway Group passenger companies now running without staff. 60% of 4,000 no staff. However, unmanned stations bring with them their own set of concerns, not least compromises in convenience and safety. Um, and 
so you can imagine people just being confused. Something happens and they don't know if there's a delay. Maybe they, maybe they haven't seen the news and something's happened and there's no one at the station to provide them with the details. And then there might be some computer interface, but it's always trying to make them provide, you know, just update their money on their card situation. Um, but in November 2019, it was reported that a civic group made up of people with disabilities and supporters will file a lawsuit seeking compensation from the Oita District Court. Since 2020, and then since 2020, more wheelchair users and other parties have filed numerous lawsuits with the Oita District Court, claiming that their constituency protected right to freedom of movement is being infringed. Um, this is regarding the unmanned stations, and Oita is a place in Kyushu. In November 2020, it was reported by NHK that the number of unmanned stations was spreading worldwide, nationwide. Um, on February 10th, 2022, the Oita District Court heard oral arguments in a lawsuit filed by three wheelchair users in Oita City who complained that they suffered from restrictions on their freedom of movement due to Kyushu's decision to make its stations unmanned. The plaintiffs presented their views on J.R. Kyushu's decision to make four new stations in the prefecture unmanned and appealed to the court to, quote, take a sincere look at its role as a public transportation system once again. The plaintiff in the Oita District Court case, Harumi Yoshida, 68, a director of a social welfare corporation who is severely disabled, said, quote, this trial is no longer just about us disabled people, but about the safety and convenience of the elderly, women, children, and others who have no other means of transportation in the region but the JR train line. So, <laughs> this is just another case of, okay, there's less people. It's a depopulation. That's fine. In Tokyo, there's still hundreds, it feels like there's hundreds of millions of people here. But in these regional areas, we're beginning to see fraying at the edges of once plentiful areas full of people, full of communities, full of businesses, full of reasons to make train networks that would go there and transport people back and forth. And even in like 20 minutes outside of Kyoto or 20 minutes outside of um, uh, Sendai, you get pretty pretty lower amounts of people using public transportation. It becomes a car society. You go one hour outside of these areas, and a lot of them are pretty abandoned. And you might say, well, why don't they just go to other places? Well, maybe they can't. You don't know their situation. They're, they They were in this place before that had these services. Now we have a declining population and cost-cutting measures. And now those people that were there who may have moved there for those services no longer have them. <clears throat> so they just have to deal with it, I guess. But I'm not advocating for some sort of robot society to come and take care of them. I'm not, I'm not even advocating for a billion Filipinos to move into the country and take care of them either as nurses and maids. All I'm saying is that when the edges of society begin to fray, you don't know how the threads are going to entangle themselves and you don't know who's going to move in there to replace them. You've been listening to the Japan What Podcast. This is for August 29th, 2023, episode 105. MatthewPMBigelow.com. Japan What Podcast donations can be made at 
paypal.me forward slash Japan WUT or use a podcasting 2.0 compliant app such as Podverse and get in on the action. Get away from the big tech boys. Until then, see you next time and ja mata ne. Matthew PMBigelow.com. It's a good tuna, but I think I paid too much.